Welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcast. Welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, everyone. We have some extra special guests today from the Laredo Stroke Support Group, one of the largest stroke support groups in Texas. And joining us today, we have Bill and Dee Dee Herzer, Paula Huerta. I am Nancy Weckworth, your host for today's show. Well, my name is Paula Huerta, and I am the Executive Director of Laredo Stroke Support Group. My name is Dee Dee Herzer, and I'm one of the co-founders of Laredo Stroke Support Group. My name is Bill Herzer, and I'm a co-founder of the Laredo Stroke Support Group, and I'm a survivor. I'd like to get started right off with the first question. How did the Laredo Stroke Support Group get started? I had a stroke. Bill had a stroke and I got scared. We got home and we had a million questions. My kids were confused, I was confused. I went to the hospital hoping to find a support group. So we decided that it was, we saw a need and we decided to fill it. That's really noble of you because it's a lot of work to run a group like you're doing. So you should be very proud of yourselves because you've done an amazing job. Tell us about your monthly meetings. What are they like? So we have monthly meetings that are scheduled for every second Monday of the month. It never changes. We keep that constant for our group. Um, And at these meetings, we have guest speakers who are uh, familiar with stroke recovery or just want to offer better insight into leading healthier, more active lifestyles or we have open discussions with our group members, caregivers, um, and of course the stroke survivors, just to kind of gauge feedback on how we're doing with the group, what it is that um, is working for them, what we're offering, and um, just to gain their feedback to make sure that our program is working to fulfill their needs. So we encourage them to lead these active and healthier lifestyles. We have healthy snacks um, that we offer along with the recipes so they're making more positive choices. Um, and we meet with new survivors in the community who are looking for the same kind of support Bill and Dee initially looked for when they started the support group. Um, how do you do your recruiting for your members for your group? Um, well, there is no formal process. That's a question we've been getting a lot lately. Um, basically, our door is open to anybody. We um, just invite them to our meetings and we make sure that they have all the necessary information. So if they can't attend a meeting or the meeting just passed, we extend an invitation to one of the many activities we offer during the week so that they can see hands-on what it's like to be with the group and experience one of the classes um, for the first time. Interesting. Very good. I was, at one point in time, I was a guest speaker at your group, so I got to meet all you folks <laughs> and actually doing, and that was very enlightening for me. And I learned about some of the additional programs and things that you do for the people in between your meetings that are extra special. And I think I would really like to have you share your entire program of what you get the folks doing again to improve their lives. Okay. Well, in the early days, we started with the monthly meetings and then we did hospital visits to, we would take them a little care package and kind of, introduce ourselves, give them our business cards. And you know, when you have a stroke and you are the the survivor or the family member, it's really overwhelming when you first 
are at the hospital and their nurses are talking to you, doctors are talking to you, therapists are talking to you, and you don't know which part is going to be important. You just want to know how you're going to get up out of that bed and when you're going to start talking. And so you don't pay attention to a lot of things. And so what we found is if we give them that information and we give it to them in a cute little re recyclable bag so that they can take that home and then maybe later on down the line they go, oh, yeah, this group came to talk to us. I'm going to call them up. Let me see what they're about. And then they, they you know, give us a call or they show up to a meeting. And that's kind of how they get introduced to our meetings. And, um, and then um, the next thing we started was um, our partnership with Austin Speech Labs, where they do teletherapy. Um, Bill had been doing therapy with them, and that's how we met them. And then we decided to partner up and offer that service as well, because we realized that speech was a huge need and a huge you know, component of what people were asking for. Speaking of therapy, um, I think it was like four years ago, my good friend and uh, co-founder of Austin Speech Lab, Shilpa, said, you need to speak in public. Back then, my arch enemy, aphasia, was holding my word hostage often. I've done 59 speeches since then. Um, uh, I spoke to Providence Health Center. There were Providence staff, caretakers, and uh, stroke survivors. One of the stroke survivors said, excuse me, that, uh, but do you know how to ride a bicycle? That's our Armando um, pre-stroke. He was an avid cyclist. He was my guinea pig, number one. Uh, fast forward to Laredo Stroke Support Riders. We have 15 survivors and uh, seven volunteers. Every Saturday, we provide the bikes and trikes to ride at the park. We get exercises and camaraderie. Um, and then in addition to the speech flow therapy that we provide our survivors and the bike and trike meets on Saturdays, we offer other types of therapies. So Based off of the exercise one, we also offer a strengthening class where we work on weight-bearing with stroke survivors, um, yoga, and tennis, and all of these are forms of physical therapy to help improve the side that's been affected by the stroke so that they can build strength again on that side. Um, we also offer art and gardening and music as forms of occupational therapy to work on fine-tuning motor skills and to kind of um, work on mental functions as well so that they're um, finding another output um, for what it is that they're dealing with with their stroke and so that they can discover a new hobby. And um, lately we've um, added uh, recreational outings. So we've taken our stroke survivors to the movies. Uh, we've had karaoke night. We've had game night. Um, we've taken them to the planetarium here. So we try and do stuff with the group right now that otherwise they wouldn't get out and do on their own and they're able to do that with other stroke survivors, caregivers with other caregivers, and um, group members can just see what it's like for them to adapt to this new normal and being able to participate in activities that maybe they once did before their stroke or just now they're discovering that they're really passionate about. That's wonderful. Who organizes all of this and who signs the people up? How do you get them into all of these things and how do you get them there and what's your transportation like? Tell us how you manage all this. You folks are phenomenal. 
Well, um, we plan our calendars um, a month in advance. So we spend the second to last week of the month organizing our stuff, all of the activities we offer. Um, but basically, we follow a schedule. We keep the same routine and the same classes. So for example, our art classes, we meet every Wednesday. And that's a constant. Unless there's some schedule change, then we'll adjust as necessary. But uh, when people ask us how our group operates, I like to tell them that we work on a month-to-month -month basis. We really see what it is um, that's working with the stroke survivors, what's working with the weather here, what means and resources we have available to offer these classes. And yeah, basically between me, Bill, and, and Didi, we just kind of shoot ideas around and say, hey, why don't we do a game night with the stroke survivors and we'll go buy gift cards and we'll have a good time or let's take them to the planetarium. Many of them didn't know that it was here or that it was available and we went and watched the presentation and they had a good time. So I think what's the core to our group is that we focus constantly on what the stroke survivors want and how we can best fit their needs into our program. And so we just want to make sure that they have these opportunities available to them but we're still incorporating therapy into each of our activities. So like the speech, it encompasses all of our programs because they're talking amongst one another and sharing tips and talking about the class. Um, but they're also getting to work on other stuff like fine-tuning their motor skills through the art where they're focused specifically on creating this one piece that sometimes they spend weeks on or the exercise where we're working on getting that strength again and making sure that they're using their weak inside so it really just, um, it's based off of our survivors, ultimately. We want to make sure that we can give them what they need and provide them with information, but also provide them with the opportunity to be able to access this kind of therapy or resource that they otherwise wouldn't have, and then later on apply it somewhere else um, at home. Um, I want to interject here, too, that um, um, between Paula and, and myself and, and Bill and, and um, and uh, another of our employees, Louie, we have um, come up with, Louie drew a map of Laredo, and then he put dots where the stroke survivors live. And then we gave the stroke survivors, we gave all the guys a list of all the men in our group, and we gave all the ladies a list of all the ladies to sort of have a call list that they could grab from. So if they connected with somebody sitting next to them at one of the meetings, and they said, you know what, I don't have a ride. I'm going to call so-and-so who's on my list. We've, we've helped them with gas allowance because we did notice that some people end up driving almost every day. They drive somebody somewhere. And so we said, you know what, we'll help you with the gas if you help us with the driving. And it's helped in other ways because one of the, the men in particular was having a hard time getting out of the house because he would worry that something was going to happen to his car or, you know, his tire or you know, he was, he was going to be late and, and he would get um, sort of anxious about it and giving him the, the job of going to pick somebody else up gave him a reason to get out of the house. And now, you know, he feels good. He said, you know what, you all have given me independence because you're making me go get somebody. So now I know, I know I can do it and I'm helping somebody else, you know, so this call group has really helped them because they, you know, they get together with each other and they, you know, meet and, and give rides and it's, it's helped a lot. You've created a system for people that is amazing in that you have created purpose for them again. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times strokes 
sur um, survivors feel that their their previous life is gone, and in order to get to the new normal, they have to they might have to find a new purpose, and you people are providing that for them, and I think that's amazing. I have another question. If somebody wants to come to one of your events, how do they let you know and how do you communicate with them? Do you use the internet? Do you use email? Is everything done by phone? What's your methodology? Um, well, I would say about 90% of people that are interested in joining a group will either call Didi or myself. Um, and so we give all the information via the phone. Um, like I said earlier, we extend an invitation to our monthly meeting if it's right around the corner. We'll say, hey, our meeting's this Monday. Make sure you come out. It's at 7 p.m. Bring your family. Or if it's the family member, the caregiver that's wanting to come or the spouse, we tell them to bring themselves or their kids, anybody that's really involved with the stroke survivors so that they can see that the group isn't just for the stroke survivors. And we were discussing this earlier, and I feel like there's a huge um, stigma surrounding the, the theme or the idea of a support group. And that's kind of what sometimes attracts people from actually going out and, and seeking out a support group for whatever it is that they're dealing with. But particularly for stroke, um, we want to make sure that people know that we're not sitting around having a gripe sesh. So when I get these phone calls, I give them information about our meetings, all the activities that we offer. If the meeting has passed or if there's a significant amount of time until the next one, I'll go ahead and let them know what activities are going on during the week. So like I said earlier, we have our art classes that are on Wednesdays or we have our life skills class, which is a computer class that we have on Thursdays, them to come out and I ask them what their interests are and we ask them, you know, how their stroke has affected them, whether it's been physically or their speech, um, if they have transportation. And we just give them all the necessary information. If they reach out via email, I go ahead and send them a link to our website, um, to our Facebook, so they can actually see our stroke survivors in action, what it is that they're doing, because we're constantly taking photo evidence of them progressing through their recovery process at different stages. So it's good to see that, oh, well, there's somebody that's 35 and he was a Marine, or there's somebody who's 56 and he was just a grandfather and it just happened to him. So there's all kinds of perspectives, and we want to make sure that these people are aware that they're not confined to this life of me as a stroke survivor, that yes, you are a stroke survivor, but it is not your identifier. So we just like to give them information and a welcome invitation to, to anything that we can offer for them at the time. And I also like to tell people that if they come to a meeting or they go to a class and they feel like maybe our group isn't exactly what they were looking for, that we'll still help them in whatever way they, we, that we can to provide them with resources and um, connections of other uh, facilities and groups within our community that might be better suited for what they're needing if it's specifically a long-term therapy program. Um, since we don't have licensed therapists, we just kind of work and improvise. Then we go ahead and give them referrals to other locations here in Laredo that might be better suited for them. Yeah, because there's a the, also, because um, we have our classes, right? We have tennis and we have yoga and we have biking and maybe they're not into any of those things but we know how much exercise is a part of their recovery. And so we, we did now start offering a membership to the rec centers here in town because there, there are several and they're really state-of-the-art. And um, so Laredo Stroke Support pays for their membership and they can go on their own time so they don't have to worry about scheduling. They can go when their wife gets out of work or their husband gets out of work and can give them a ride. And... They have indoor facilities where they don't have to worry if it's too hot 
uh, we usually don't have to worry about too cold. Um, and, um, they can, you know, walk around the indoor track or they can get on an on exercise bike or they can join a, a yoga class there or a Zumba class or, you know, just um, work on any of the, the workout uh, machines that, that they provide. And they also have a computer lab there at the rec center. They also have you know, activities that, that they provide monthly, and maybe that's something they want to do. Maybe they don't want to be in a group with only stroke survivors if they want to go with their family and do something, you know, where everybody can join in. Well, they have the opportunity. You guys are such an amazing group. I've never met any other stroke support group that does all these things for their people. You you just have all these wonderful ideas. You come up with the ideas and you follow through and you make it happen. And regarding making it happen, I have a couple, couple of things I want to ask. Um, how many people are on paper that are members of your group and what percentage of them participate regularly in the monthly meetings and what percentage of them um, actually come out to your events? What is your experience with this? Uh, at our meetings, um, from the start of this year to now, I think we've had a pretty constant attendance um, that fluctuates between 30 to 40 people. And that includes stroke survivors, caregivers, group members who are just interested in learning about the group. And then of course our staff and board members. Um, I would say of the 40 people that go to our meetings, there's a group of uh, between eight to 12 and kind of leaning towards the 12 that are the core group. Uh, we just started a program with um, some student volunteers and, that's what they call them, and I hadn't thought about it, but it's the same group of stroke survivors that go to almost all of the activities throughout the week. So on Tuesday, they'll be at exercise. On Wednesday, they'll be at our class, and then we'll see them again on Thursday at Life Skills. So they're there. But it is um, – it, it varies. Sometimes we'll have new people go to certain classes. Our art class is probably the most popular. People really like going to that one. And if somebody new is wanting to come into the group, that's usually the class that they'll go to to start off. But, um, yeah, I would say about 10 to 12 people are a core group that attend all of our weekly activities. Um, and of those, um, of those same core group, they'll probably also be at our outreach events whenever we're helping out with the community or we're participating in something. They like to help us spread the word about what our group does. So it just, it's just the same people, but they're all really great, and they really advocate for us um, and for themselves. And so... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good group, and it continues to grow. We've been seeing it, especially in the last few weeks. We've gotten several new people coming into the group, and um, we're, our doors are always open, and we're ready to take in anybody that needs to, to find a, a new hobby or pursue a, a new therapy. Yeah, and, and speaking of when you were talking about recruitment a while ago, you know, we, we have the, the hospital visits, but then we have flyers at um, – the heart doctor's office, at the neurologist's office. We have them um, placed strategically in their office so that, you know, when they're in the waiting room, they'll read that and go, hmm, there's a stroke group. Um, also, our, some of our biggest recruiters are our stroke survivors. You know, uh, one of them asked me if we could make him business cards because he said, well, you know, I have to give them to people because I have to tell them about our meetings. And, um, you know, so they, they bring friends. Um, especially one of our veterans, he, he meets a lot of people because he works at the, at, the off, at the veterans office and he brings friends. 
And yeah, we have them calling us and saying, you know, I met somebody, he's a stroke survivor, you have to call him. So um, they, they help us a lot with recruitment too. Yeah, yeah, they do a lot of referrals to our group. So of the people that call me, say I get 10 calls in a week, which has been kind of the norm lately, I would say maybe three or four of those is because one of our stroke survivors has let them know about our group and has given them my contact information. We'll give them our business cards and they'll say, can you give me a few more? Because I saw a man and he was walking kind of like I do. So I'm pretty sure he was a stroke survivor. So they'll kind of hunt them down and, and bring them to the group and at least give them the invitation or the information that, hey, a support group exists. Make it a point to come one time and, you know, see if it fits you. Okay, now here's, here's a big one for you. Where do you guys meet? And with all this recruiting and all these people bringing in, what are your size limitations? What are your thoughts for in the future when you start having a 1,000 people in this group? What are, what are your goals and what are your plans? And we'll go into the fundraising next. <laughs> Where do you meet now? Well, we have been meeting for the last few years and continue to meet at a local church here at San Martin de Porres Church. We meet in their Family Life Center. So it's uh, just like the size of a meeting room. It's, it, it's accommodating just enough right now. Um, before we used to have our tables and we'd have seating on just the outer ends of the tables. Now we've had to have seating on both sides since there's a lot of people standing. Um, yeah, our, our meetings are, are getting pretty packed right now um, as of lately. And yeah, I feel like this question has kind of been attacking us over the last few months. Um, like what's going to happen when our group grows to a size that isn't as manageable right now with the 40 members that we have and people that come in and we have a steady group of volunteers right now. It's manageable and we're able to continue to meet where we meet, not have to make any big adjustments. The activities, it's also been, they've grown, but it's also been a manageable size. If we go to a thousand people, which seems unfathomable, but very possible. Um, I, I, we don't really have a, a long-term plan right now. I mean, we've talked about different ideas yeah we've talked a little bit about doing maybe you know the tuesday thursday art group and then the monday wednesday you know switching days to whether it be two different groups but we already know like um the little crew that likes to hang together and sit on this side of the room they'll probably <laughs> say okay be sure and put me on tuesday because i want to be in the same room with so and so because they've they've made friends and they you know they they want to be with their with their little game, but um, and that's a possibility to where we have every other week group one will go and then you know then we'll do group two. We we haven't wanted to go there because like I say they they they've really formed bonds and same thing with the caregivers. You know you see them right away. They go sit by certain people that maybe they you know have made a little attachment with or whatever. So. Um, I, th I think we can keep it going to to a hundred. I don't know about a thousand, Nancy. That's that's a lofty goal, but we'll we'll shoot for it. <laughs> Dream big, folks. Dream big. You guys have already done that, and look at what you have achieved for so many people. It's wonderful. Um, I just as an aside here, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Silver Sneakers program? No. No. For people who are 65 and older who are on Medicare and they join a Medicare Advantage program, they, the federal government has the Silver Sneakers program and they pay for your gym membership for you. So just keep that in mind. Okay. So as, if you have older members like me, 
<laughs> I use my I use my silver sneakers and I go to the gym and it's wonderful. And they have special classes for the silver sneakers people there too. <laughs> you don't pay anything for this. So moving on. How do you fund your group? What are you doing to make all of this happen for so many people? Well, for starters, all of our program comes um, at no cost to survivors. So every activity, every outing, every event, every expense is paid for by the Laredo Stroke Support Group. And we're able to do that right now through grants, donations, and annual contributions that we receive. So right now, it's actually grant writing season. I'm going to be approaching some deadlines, and uh, we petition money for specific programs. So we've petitioned money for our speech therapy program since it has grown over the last few years. Um, some of our group members um, will give us donations because they see what we're doing with the group. There is no cost to any, for anybody to join our group, but they see what we're doing. They feel the need to contribute, which is so giving and so, so humbling. And then, of course, we have our annual contributors who will give us some sort of grant or um, donation that will go towards any of our expenses, which go and range from anywhere between the speech therapy, the physical therapy equipment that we purchase, art supplies. You know, we, we buy things for everything. We provide all the necessary materials for our group and our classes. So we just bait, work off of those contributions. Um, and no amount is too small. We, you know, encourage people to visit our website and donate on there to make sure that we can ensure day-to-day -day operations of our program. And that's how we've been able to add so much to our group because people have been very generous and supportive of our mission. And yeah, that's, that's how we do it. We just hope that people are giving. And um, then we, of course, we plan fundraisers too. So I was going to ask if you have fundraising events and, and how, you, how do you market them? Okay, well, we have, um, we, our, our first big event was our concert in 2014, and what we did was, and actually, our, the, the guy who was singing at, at our concert had a grandma who had a stroke, so it was pretty nice, um, but um, we sold tables to the event, and with, with the concert ticket, they got a meal, and so they were willing, and then, um, of course, our expenses were the facility, and um, the food and, and that, but um, people were were really generous when Bill would go knocking at their door because, you know, um, we have a saying and it's where there's a bill, there's a way instead of <laughs> because Bill doesn't mind knocking down doors and, and, and pursuing people and, and going and getting the funding and somehow he gets it done. And when he wants something, he finds a way to get it done. So the concert was our first big one, and with that money, we were able to, to um, sustain two years of paying our executive director and of paying our art class for our art class and materials and, and memberships and, and everything that, that we have, we, we were able to do with the concert money for two years. So we said, we'll do it every other year. And now we're, since we're building more speech um, students and, and finding more activities that are, are going to cost us something, um, now we're working on um, another fundraiser on the off years of the concert. So we're going to have our first 5K. So yeah, we're, we're right now we're in the midst of planning and organizing and the deadline is coming up really soon for our event. So we're having our first 5K race 
November 11th, and uh, we're calling it the Fast 5K. So we're keeping our mission at the heart of this race. So, of course, FAST, we, we're, well, we're familiar, of course, as a support group for stroke survivors, that FAST is the acronym for the symptoms of stroke. But we've kind of taken that and applied it to the whole facet of the race. So our sponsorship levels are also FAST. So the tiers are F, A, S, and T. And um, we're hoping that this race will not only help us generate funding to continue our program, but to also raise awareness for stroke. There's a lot of misconceptions um, as to what stroke is. People often confuse strokes with heat strokes, and um, there's just a, a high prevalence of stroke in our community, and sometimes the people themselves that suffer these strokes aren't even aware of what the risk factors are or that they even had one. So we want to make sure that at this race, people learn the signs and symptoms, know that there's a support group out there and can help us continue our goal as we continue to grow, which evidently doesn't seem like it's going to be stopping anytime soon. Just for our listeners who stop in, would you do us a favor and tell us what FAST means? Of course. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, FAST um, are the symptoms of stroke. F stands for face drooping. So if you see somebody's face um, kind of falling or you see somebody you think is having a stroke, you want to ask them to smile. And if part of their face, uh, particularly the... Um, I believe would be the right side. It would look like it's drooping or not moving in comparison to the other side. A stands for arm weakness. So you would want to ask the person also to raise their arms. If one of their arms stays below eye level, then that's also a sign. S stands for slurred speech. So you're going to want to ask the person to speak and say a common phrase or saying or just say their name. And if they sound slurred or it's kind of nonsensical, that's a huge indicator. And T stands for time, so time counts. You want to make sure that you call 911 and get them to emergency services as soon as possible. Thank you for sharing that. The other question I have, I actually probably know the answer, but are you a 5013C? Yes, we are. Yes, you'd have to be in order to get the grants, but I, for the people who are listening, a 5013C is a program um, by put out by the IRS where you have to subscribe to that program and become um, organized under that umbrella in order to be able to receive funding and grant money from other organizations. Because of the amazing success of the Laredo Stroke Support Group, this is the first half of our interview with them. This half focuses on the organization itself and their work with stroke survivors. We will continue in our next episode with more of their creative ideas and support for caregivers. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means, I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.